Greetings and welcome back to Quantum Divide on this, this episode. Uh, it's going to be a little bit different today. Steve and I have decided to basically have a fireside chat. Imagine me sat here in my big leather chair, sipping on a glass of uh, single malt whiskey or whatever you uh, <laughs> other drinks are available. But we're going to have a we're going to have a chat here about quantum network simulation. Steve, hello. How are you doing today? All right. Yeah. Hello. Thanks for listening to me rant again about simulation. I know we talked a little bit in the past about it, but I think this is a little bit different. So now we're talking about what's being done, what we're doing uh, internally at Cisco also. So a bit more about the product side, a bit more about trends and developments, maybe a little bit more about the technical aspects, but yeah. It's going to be a different. Yeah, let's get into it. You know, let's start with a, a recap on the need for simulation. Like you said, there's a we're, we're a bit of uh, inflection point at Cisco where I think we've uh, we've got some some interesting discussions to come to come here. So start with a recap, and then we'll work into, as you said, what we've been working on and what's out there. So yeah, the need for simulation for networks in general is that there's always a life cycle of how network technologies are developed, and that's always something like. Start with a problem statement, something that needs to be solved, a communication problem that needs to be solved. And what happens is you go from the problem statement to a, let's say, a theoretical solution to that problem. And that could involve writing down a protocol on paper, and that's under complete perfect setting, no external um, sources of noise, no nothing that can cause problems. That's the pen and paper solution. What you do from there is to validate the pen and paper solution is you program that into a simulation and now you have complete control of how much noise you add into your network and you can see exactly what's happening and what can cause problems and you can start to modify your pen and paper solution to act against noise and make the protocol more robust. Once the protocol is robust against noise, then it goes into potentially a laboratory where you field test and make sure that, okay, now that we lose control of our noise parameters, does the protocol still work, even though we, we still have noise, but it's not under our control. And then you can expand until you go to product phase and so on. But always in the life cycle of a new network technology is uh, a simulation stage. And therefore the need for a simulation, especially in quantum network simulation, where everything is in the problem statement stage is essential. So we, everything is a problem. <laughs> you know, we have, a, how do you transmit quantum signal in a network setting? You need protocol. What's the protocol? Don't know. What's the link layer? Don't know. What's the network layer? Don't know. So everything is a problem. And therefore, we're going to pass through this simulation setting many times before we can start to deploy into testbed and field test and laboratory, especially for networking. Okay, we can do transmission of quantum signal in the lab, in the city, in metro scale, over satellite. But is that a network protocol? In a sense, it is. But is it a standardizable one? Is it something that solves a general problem? Probably not. So I, I see a, the need for a simulation because we need the ability to test uh, our network solutions for the problems that are coming for quantum networks. On the other side, simulation is required for quantum networks is uh, because we don't have the hardware components that we need to start testing in a network environment. We don't have quantum memories. Not everyone has a quantum source in their office or in their lab. Not everyone has a quantum detector. So we need to simulate these hardware components so that we can start playing with them. So we can start thinking of applications. Given we have these hardware components, what do we do with them? 
and that gives a you know easy access to everybody. They just have to download some software. They have the mathematical representation of those hardware components. They can act on them as they would as if they were real devices. You can emulate the devices potentially and treat them as a black box. And then you have the input output as if it was a real device, but it's just a simulated device. And so that's another essential reason. It's very hard to make quantum network technologies. They're not widely available that everyone can access them. And so the way we move forward with quantum networks, building applications and building commercial products at the moment is essentially limited to simulation. So those two reasons I see being the major factors why we need a quantum network simulator. Yeah, great. And what about the current trends in simulation? So are there a series of tools out there and what kind of level do they operate at? Yep. So the trends for right now is quantum networks, quantum network simulation, quantum network applications is is niche. We don't see a huge market for it at the moment. QKD is an exception. It's a commercially available tool that went through its iterations, but it's been going on for something like 20 years, at least. BB84 is called BB84 because it was invented in 1984. So it has about 40 years head start and those those technologies have developed specifically for QKD or those quantum network technologies have developed for QKD. So that's how it got to commercialization, but there's been a lot of simulation surrounding QKD as well. But for general quantum networks, uh, entanglement-based quantum networks, I would say simulation has only picked up in the last, let's say, five five years or so. And now we're starting to make progress towards a quantum network simulator that is analogous to what exists in the classical realm. But I still think we're not on track to making a quantum network simulator that looks like what we have for a classical network simulation. And the main reasons are that the libraries that are existing that do the most powerful simulation libraries that exist are not completely available to everybody. They're not open source. So that means we can't really start creating a community that develops different features for the software, specific features for everyone's need. It's basically whatever need exists for the people who are maintaining that software. And it's, you know, some of them are behind paywall, so we don't have wide, we can't even just use it to start playing around with these simulations. So these most powerful ones are not open. And that's a problem, I think, because when it comes to networking, it's a global problem. It's not like one person is going to solve all of quantum internet. So we need community, we need open source code. And I think what's happening right now is we're not doing that. And that needs to change. So we need to bend the trend towards what has been done in classical networking. Okay, so listen, one thing I, I wrestle with a little bit is the fact that at the core of simulation, in classical simulation, you're constructing packets, frames, you're, you're using a well-known construct that is agreed and standardized for devices to talk to each other and then virtualizing it. When it comes to the quantum world, none of that exists, as you mentioned. So we end up we're trying to simulate the hardware, we're trying to simulate the behavior of virtual photons, if you like, going across the network and then applying some kind of mathematical modeling to them and, and some other mathematics to model their behavior based on quantum mechanics, I guess. So is this at this low level, is there innovation due to happen still in at that level? Or is it now about building on top of that? Yeah. So we're not at the stage yet, I think, to start building on top, mainly because we're still developing the frameworks for performing this like physical layer simulation, so to say. So the simulators that exist, they, they give you access to hardware models, quantum memory model, quantum modulator, 
detector, source, everything you need in terms of hardware components. These are all mathematically modeled. So now the user has access to these mathematical models up to them to connect the dots, put the pieces together. And now, okay, you have connections made, but now what do these hardware components do? And it's still up to the user to decide what the hardware components do. And that's the challenge, right? When we have classical network simulation, what we do is we assume that we're using a standard for generating packets. We assume that these physical components are robust, that they're noise-free, and we don't need to think about bit by bit what message is going through the network. And then when the bits arrive at the, the next hop of the, the route, we don't need to program step-by-step step what happens to each of those bits. How do they get routed? How do we decide what happens? So those are all standardized in classical networking. But in quantum networks, all we have access to are the hardware components, send bit by bit, photon by photon, and then what do you do from there? So it's, it's an early stage, and we don't have a solid foundation for that part yet. So it's, it's hard to build up on that. So we could probably go from what we have now to a link layer protocol, like one step above the physical layer. But I don't see how we could go higher than that because we haven't agreed on how qubits are even sent from point A to point B. Yeah, they can get sent, but how do you detect that they arrive? What are the what is the metadata surrounding that? Is it even qubits sending being sent? Okay, the qubits, but there could be also coherent states. How do we detect them? How do we know what the qubits represent? Are they entanglement, just units of entanglement, or are they data containing photons? So there's so many variables that we haven't even agreed upon on the physical layer and the link layer that we can start moving up to routing, for example. But even though that's the case. It's still interesting to look at, okay, if, let's assume we have all that for free. How do we do routing? So some people do focus on the upper layers of the network, even though it's not clear what's underneath. So we're building on a rocky foundation, but you have to start from somewhere, I think. So I don't see it as a bad thing either. It sounds like there's a lot of, uh, I call it conjecture, I guess, or maybe just people having a go at a particular niche without the solid foundations underneath them. Maybe there's a need for some kind of a coordinated community type thing. But first of all, you know, are there enough simulation engines out there to fulfill all these needs? So you mentioned a lot of the different hardware models. When it comes to simulation, it sounds like it's a, uh, a, a smorgasbord of different uh, simulators out there, right? And how, how does that look? Yeah, it's a bit messy, I'd say. <laughs> so there's definitely a popular quantum network simulators. And then I say there's a scattering of one-off simulations that people have developed that do one particular thing or potentially do some subset of things that another simulator can do in a restricted setting, particularly for performing a yeah, one particular task or a few particular tasks that were interesting to the authors of that. So the, the environment is a bit messy. So <laughs> I would say there are enough engines to start building a centralized platform for doing quantum network simulation. I think we cover a lot of the aspects that need to be covered. Now it's about using those engines, unifying those engines into a single platform so that we don't start reinventing each time we need to do a new simulation. So usually what sometimes happens is you have a problem to solve, network problem. Then you see, okay, what can I simulate? I don't know how to use the simulator. Let me just, it's too hard. <laughs> Let me just make my own simulation. I just need to simulate a small piece. Okay, now we haven't integrated that feature into the simulation engine. So the next person who needs to do that simulation has to start from scratch again. And that's a shame because these people spend time and energy making the simulations, but they don't contribute to the open source because, well, one reason is they're not open source to begin with. So a lot of the features that people want don't get integrated to the engine, just makes 
people uh, st- like waste waste their time reinventing different pieces. So the engines have a good foundation. There are enough of them, and they're good, right? That they can do what they need to do. Now it's about letting people contribute more. We can't restrict these engines to small groups of people to contribute to. It gives them too much responsibility. So, yeah, they fulfill the needs to be expanded on. That's what I want to say. <laughs> but they don't fulfill the needs of everybody. Yeah, and that makes sense. You were talking previously about some network protocols that are out there for execution, like the QKD protocols. Are there any protocols out there for entanglement? Yeah, it sounds like there isn't, other than the modeling of what an entangled EPR pair looks like. And But I guess if you're hosting one in one device and one in the other, then there's some modeling required on both systems, right? There's So I would say the QKD protocols for network simulation and in general, just deploying QKD, those protocols are pretty well established. Now, like you said, we're in the early stage of developing entanglement distribution protocols. I'd say there has been some success. For example, there was a paper, I think it was last year, early last year, where they've taken an entanglement distribution protocol and implemented it to do one repetition or one quantum repeater. That came from uh, TU Delft and QTech. And so they started with a link layer protocol, pen and paper, simulated it in various settings, and then they actually put it to the field test. So they've gone through one mini life cycle for that. But I would say it's not a standardized protocol. I think it's very much hardware dependent for their specific hardware configuration. There have been other quantum repeater experiments from there. Not many, but I think there's been one with Ion Trap, where I know it uh, in Netherlands they're using NV Center. So the the protocols probably are slightly different, but it's progress. You got to start from somewhere, and I think it's interesting to see that they've used a pen and paper solution, put it into simulation using their simulation tools, and then they were able to field test. Yeah, but other than that, it's not so clear what's happening. So we've also worked on a little bit of simulation for this kind of coexistence quantum network where you send classical and quantum over the same channel there it's it's not like uh, it's still i would say in a pen and paper solution we're just getting to the simulation phase and now we've succeeded in simulating a few different applications qkd for example potentially we're going to move to a field test but yeah it's a uh, it's all very new but um it's happening yeah it's promising as well but I guess it's a bit like quantum computing in a way that it's hardware dependent and the simulator is always going to be, it's got to simulate hardware of a specific type in a particular configuration. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and in computing, you have different modalities here. We've got different hardware interfaces and, and so on. Mm-hmm. I would say, uh, especially towards what's missing is the protocol development language. So at the moment, there's no standard for writing quantum network software, quantum network control software. Uh, that's a big missing component. So we can write these entanglement distribution protocols, QKD protocols, whatever protocol we need, but there's no universal way to write that protocol. It's Okay, pen and paper is, is theory. That's fine. It's English. That's almost a standard. But if we want to take someone else's protocol and deploy it on our system, there's no easy way to do that at the moment. That's a big missing piece, I think. So it's something that the community needs. We have languages in classical networks that you can open, you know, can download, run it on your own system. There's no guarantee that if you download someone else's control software 
for quantum that is going to work to your system because as I said, it's like very hardware specific, very much not at that layer of abstraction yet. Thanks. Maybe that leads us on nicely to the work you've been doing with uh, QNet Lab. Okay. Yeah, so QNet Lab is the idea that you know, take all these problems I've been talking about, lack of community, lack of open source, and I would try to solve this problem by unifying the ecosystem that exists today. So what we're hoping to do with this platform is, one, make it much easier to write quantum network simulation. So at the moment, it's a lot of software development. A lot of uh, software knowledge is needed to write quantum network simulation. So you need to be able to code quite well. And also, we want to make sure we're not reinventing every time we want to write a new simulation. So we need a place for sharing code and sharing previous simulations so that people can build on. So that's what we're working at QNet Lab. We're looking at making a community, sharing code, sharing simulations, unifying the engine ecosystem, and making it easier for people to write simulations. And so what we're doing is starting with a basic thing, and that is making an interface to quantum network simulation. So I can, I'll go into that a bit more deeply. Maybe there's a question in between of what I've said so far. Well, I guess let's, let's first of all talk about people who would want to use the QNET lab. You mentioned contributors, developers, is it a broader, is it a broader scope than that? Mm -hmm. Yeah. There's a bit of a split between who I see are the users of this platform. And there's people, there's people who know how to write code. And they can write a lot of code and write a lot of network code, but they don't know anything about quantum networks. And they might not have time to learn everything about quantum networks and each of the hardware components to start modeling their simulation and adjusting the parameters because they just don't know what's a quantum source, what's a detector, how does a detector work. So they don't want to learn that, but they can write code. And so the, what this platform allows is, okay, you can start a simulation. You don't need to know the hardware components because we provide the interface to them. You can adjust them as you need but you don't need to know where they sit in the network. They just will uh, appear when they're needed. So that's one piece of user. Then there's the flip of that. There's people who know how to do quantum networks. They know how to write. They know what exists um, in a quantum network, what hardware components are there, how they work, but they don't know how to write code. And now that's another problem, right? So how do they write the simulation? They don't know how to write code. And that's what we see as an initial user of our interface that we're working on. So what we'd want to build within the QNET lab project is a, an interface. And this is where we see we can help both of those users. And this interface is a graphical interface, which has a lot of features that make writing a quantum network simulation easy for both of those user groups. But that's one thing. So that's the one set of users that potentially use our, our interface. The second set of users are people who are looking for community and building on uh, other solutions so that they can invent new technologies. So maybe they both they know both coding and uh, quantum networks, but they are looking to do some novel research. So what we can do is provide uh, a place where people can upload their simulations, which can be extended or reevaluated uh, across other network settings. So people can download the protocols, change the network, see if doesn't the, the protocols still work, make any changes they need, and we make things stronger. So to summarize, it's basically people who are interested in writing quantum network simulations but don't have all the skills for it. And then there's the people who want to do novel things with quantum network simulation but don't want to start from scratch every time they want to do something new or start running their own libraries to start building on, which could take a lot of time. So we want to 
yeah, allow people to put the building blocks together and people can take what they need to start uh, from a midway instead of from scratch. Okay. So yeah, that gives us an idea of the different building blocks. When it comes to the configuration of the protocols, is it is the system as it is just for QKD? What about entanglement distribution that we discussed earlier on? I know we were talking about the fact that there isn't really a protocol for it, but does it have the tools in the box to to support support that? Because the, this is where we're looking at the more kind of futuristic and where most of the research and modeling and simulation will want to be um, built up, right, in, in due course. Yeah, so what we do is, when I talk about quantum network protocol, what I mean specifically is basically a list of actions on these devices. So that would mean step one, trigger the quantum source to emit something. When it emits something, modulate it to be in a particular state. Then that state goes through the channel, it arrives at another person, and that person acknowledges that it arrives, they modulate, they measure, they do something else. So it's always just like hardware triggers most of the time. And therefore, what we can do is we can make this platform completely general. There's no specific use case that it supports and there's no specific use case that it doesn't support. It's just a series of instructions for the hardware components to that form of quantum network. So what we do is we want to provide the building blocks, like I was saying. So what we've done is we've programmed QKD simulations, we've programmed entanglement distribution simulations. And now what we do is provide those source codes, those protocols. They're maybe not the final protocols, but they're a starting point. And what people can do is download them and then run them immediately. So they have to write zero code to start writing, running those simulations. And then they'll test them. They'll see, okay, does it work in my setting? No, it doesn't work. So I need to add more. And now what we'll do is building up on these protocols step-by-step, step, making them more robust and usable for everybody. The way we do that now is it's unfortunately just a Python code. It's unfortunate because it's not a, that's not a network programming language. Python is, is for simulation only. But we can see, okay, what are those instruction sets? And we can potentially translate that in the future to something more universal. Uh, but at least it's there, right? So we, we know what the instructions are. We don't have to write them from scratch. People can agree on them. They can branch. They can change them. They can modify them. And now we're, we're working together. We're not working uh, alone. So that, that's grand. It's, it's a, the foundation of all of the, the tools you need to do the, the physical layer modeling. And to get you started, right, to get you started quickly without needing to do a lot of the fundamental coding and things which other people have been doing repetitively and in their own labs, in their own domain. Okay, I'm thinking about use cases and I'm thinking about quantum computing naturally being as one of the use cases that's obviously touted. And we discussed at length in previous pod, uh, pods about how likely or how difficult that is. But I'm keen to know, is the capability there inside QNET Lab? for connecting into quantum computing simulators or connecting into quantum computers at some point? And I guess there's no standard methodology, but what would you say to that? Yeah, so the way we've designed the, the quantum network lab and the, the specifically our quantum network development kit is that we, use a, we want to use a universal language, firstly, to write the protocols. At the moment, that universal language is Python-based. Of course, we want to evolve that to be a networking programming language at some point. So what we do with this interface is we collect all of the network parameters and the protocol logic, and then we send that off to our server. Our server compiles specific network simulations for each of the engines. 
uh, this is the interface between basically network parameters and simulation code. The simulation code executes, and then we get the results back. This process is a bit tricky because each simulation engine works differently, and the simulation code themselves works much differently. Sometimes even the design of the simulation engine works in a way that's not aligned with the others. And sometimes we can't even support some of the engines that exist today. So in the future, what we can do is we can definitely connect to quantum computing simulation engines or quantum computers themselves. Because all we're doing is collecting protocol logic and parameters. Okay, but if we exclude the parameters, then we just use the parameters of the, the, sim, the quantum computer itself. So what that leads to is a virtual quantum network, some kind of like a virtual network, uh, virtual quantum network that you can program in the cloud with access that goes directly to the hardware. So you're still using the same interface to collect your protocol logic. Potentially some of the components are simulated, some of the components are not simulated, and you can pick your hardware parameters accordingly. You send that off to the cloud. Cloud will take all those components, put the pieces together for you. If it goes to a simulator, if it goes to an emulator, if it goes to a physical hardware, user doesn't know. All they do is they collect the, the outputs. They should know. <laughs> I think if they, I think it makes it more valuable to know that your simulation works in a lab, for example. So that's leading to a future vision of what the QNET lab and the QNDK is going towards. Yeah, and that leads, that leads on to the roadmap question. But before I do that, I'm just going to throw you a curveball. In terms of modeling behavior of photons and the, all the different stages in transmitting and receiving photons that you mentioned earlier on, is it, do you think it'd be possible to use some of the components in the core code there to simulate photonic computing? Or is that a totally different separate world? Yeah, I think, okay, before we, I answer that question, there's another thing that we want to support, and that is when a hardware provider comes up with a new piece of hardware, because what we do is we're modeling hardware in, in the simulation, we want to be able to import those parameters directly into the simulation. And what that means is, let's say uh, Cisco comes up with a new quantum memory. We want to support that model in our simulation. So we, we place a quantum memory in the simulator, and then we can import the settings directly. So that means the users don't even need to know how to model a quantum memory in the first place. That's one thing. So when it comes to novel technologies like photonic quantum computing, potentially we can do it, but this particular project is more focused on moving quantum states through a network where photonic quantum computing is in a sense that if you take it into a local environment. So you do have to do some qubit routing, but there's no, I think there's no stack. It's mostly about moving the qubits where they need to go in order to perform a mathematical computation. But, but potentially what we could do is lead the photons to that hardware model, import the computation into that node based on whoever's providing that, that chip, and then the photons arrive, they go through that system. So I, I can see it being possible if we have the access to hardware models that companies are providing because, yeah, it's... At the end of the day, it is a routing problem or it is a, a networking problem, but at a smaller scale. Uh, potentially, if we do like distributed photonic quantum computing, <laughs> then we do need that network <laughs> stack as well. So it's, it's possible, I think. It's interesting to see where it's going to go. But the hard part is we can't do it alone. That's for sure. There's so many things to consider. 
so much code to write that the small team that we're working with is we need the open source, we need the community, and we need to know do people want those features so we're not writing always uh, software for ourselves. Okay, first of all, yeah, it probably wasn't fair of me to try and create some parallels between photonic computing and what we're doing here. But I can see, yeah, you answered that perfectly by, by talking about ultimately the interconnects potentially between them and other systems. When it comes to open source, so tell me what's needed. And, you know, the open source community is extremely broad. It's been around for a long time to cover all different types of software development domains. Is there a community you think already that will latch into this or is it about building it from scratch and what are we putting out there that's ready to support a community of people wanting to, wanting to work on quantum networking simulation? Okay. All right. So the QNET lab platform is, it's not open sourced yet. We're still putting it into the basic state that we can start opening up to external collaborators. Uh, we're starting to talk to people about how this platform should work, how, what problems should it solve? What are the pain points that people are facing? when they want to work on quantum network simulation. So we want to at least set up the foundation so that we can start allowing people to uh, collaborate, make sure that we're not starting from the very beginning. We want to at least set the vision and set the trajectory and then we can open up and start allowing external collaborators. The question is, are there external collaborators? I think, yes, there are, especially as more interest goes into quantum networks. So what are they going to do? How do they work? And we're seeing it pop up much more often than it was five years ago when the simulation platforms just were getting kicked off. So there's a community, I think, ready to jump. It's just, where do they get their, where do they put their efforts into? And there are other, it's not like we're the first ones to think of this. There's other projects, specifically the Quantum Network Explorer project. And there's a community there working already. What we're trying to do is expand that community and make it easier for people to contribute and potentially contribute on a project that allows them to do more or more that they're interested in specific, more general topics. And so I, another motivator for us is if you look towards quantum computing, it's not exactly an easy analogy to make because quantum computing appeals to more people, I think, because a lot of people come from computer science background and the physics involved as well, machine learning aspects. It draws a lot of attention because it has you know, more closely related things. Not as many people do networking as computing, I think and algorithms. But anyway, the community around quantum computing software is huge. If you look at what Qiskit has done, or if you look at some of the projects like Unitary Fund, there's a ton of projects and they're very successful and they're all open source. And they've managed to lead the way in, in terms of inventing new software for quantum computing. New algorithms allow people access to quantum computers. And it all started from basic core aspect of we want to open source them quantum computing software, I think. Qiskit probably started off as a, a basic circuit simulator and now look at it today. So you need to start from something small enough to set the vision and then it'll grow naturally as long as it's a good project and well-maintained. So what's the ask to the community? To get involved, to contact you, to... Um, what's the next step that they should take to, to educate themselves more on what's on the horizon with this? Yeah, I think so. What we have so far is we've worked on the interface Interfaces working as a prototype, we can start collecting user feedback. And that's what we're asking first primarily is we want user tests. So people who are interested in quantum network simulation and getting involved, we want people to test our product and see if it solves their problems. And second, we need some contribution to the vision. What's missing? What can make, what could be better? 
how do we align it towards, like I said, the classical network simulation engines that have been very successful in helping set the standards of the internet today. So we want that too. We want feedback. How do we make sure that we're not going in the wrong direction again? How do we make sure that we're working towards developing a quantum internet, quantum network? Is this the tool that's going to solve it? Is something else? So it's mostly a feedback session and vision setting. We're probably in the next six months, though, for sure, we'll be looking for code contributions as well. So maybe we'll, there'll be some announcements when we finally go open source with the project. And then we'll be looking for support from, from external with regards to software development. Great. Yeah. So if you're listening and you're interested in getting involved, then watch this space. Feel free to reach out to Steve or I at Cisco here, and we can start to have those early stage conversations and go from there. So I think I'll wrap it up, Steve. Thanks very much. Yep. Thanks Thanks for the interest. Yeah, indeed. Okay. Then I'll close it there. Thanks very much. Bye-bye. All right. Thanks. I'd like to take this moment to thank you for listening to the podcast. Quantum networking is such a broad domain especially considering the breadth of quantum physics and quantum computing, all as an undercurrent, easily to get sucked into. So much is still in the research realm, uh, which can make it really tough for a curious IT guy to know where to start. So hit subscribe or follow me on your podcast platform. and I'll do my best to bring you more prevalent topics in the world of quantum networking. Spread the word, it would really help us out.